0: And Mike, if you don't mind just making your way on up after I pray, we'll get started. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus, thank you for this Palm Sunday, a day in which we're reminded that people are fickle. One week in history, people are singing Hosanna, that you save, dropping palm branches, laying their clothes down, and the next week they'll crucify. God, I pray that in our hearts, you'd protect us from the things of this yeah. world and, and living like this world, that we would believe that Jesus saves, not just for today, but even when culture goes against you. Father, I pray you'd bless every aspect of today's, today's class. May you be honored and glorified by all that's said and done. Yeah. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I've asked uh, Mike Price to come up, and he's going to be talking about, many of you have asked questions regarding the COVID vaccines, the various kinds of vaccines, and I want you to feel uh, you know, free to, you know, he's going to do this presentation as an expert in the field, um, and uh, that way you can feel comfortable with knowing whether it's right. Some of you have already gotten it. I'm not going to have you raise hands and those things, but Mike, thanks so much for studying this, and uh, here's the presenter, and go for it.
1: Can you all hear me? Yeah. Okay, good, because I don't like using mics. And yeah. like okay. my wife says... A mic doesn't like to use a mic. right. <laughs> well, my wife says I'm quite loud. She's always, she's always telling me to, you know, squash a little bit. All right. So, um, thanks, Lou. So, I'm, um, Lou asked me to come up here and just kind of give a little information, I guess, about the COVID vaccine and some things that are... You're probably hearing things bannered about on the internet in different places. People say a bunch of different things about the vaccines and COVID and everything else. So he asked me to come and kind of just um, go over what I know about it. um, And to try and give you some accurate information about uh, things to do with the vaccine and COVID. And so, you know, I don't know how long I just threw this together. I don't know how long this is really going to take, but I'll be here after class also. If you guys have questions, you know, if you want to come ask me anything, I'll try to answer it. Um, just so you know, I'm, I'm a professor of microbiology here at the medical school, and so at Liberty. So, you know, while virology is not so much my thing, infectious diseases are. And so this is something I know a little bit about. Hopefully, you know, I'm not you know, speaking out of turn or anything. Um, so first, I just want to talk just briefly about what are vaccines. And so, you know, hopefully some of this that I'm going to go over, you guys will remember from Like your high school biology class, maybe. I'm kind of hoping. Some of you probably, "Mm I hated biology. Um, So, Edward Jenner is considered the father of vaccines. So, he was a Christian um, doctor in the 1800s in England. And at this time, um, smallpox was a big deal. So, you know, nowadays, a lot of people be like, what's smallpox? Smallpox kills between 30 and 40% of people who get infected by it. It was a very serious disease. Even if you didn't die from it, it was disfiguring. So it was a very serious illness. What Edward Jenner uh, recognized or or discovered was that milkmaids in England didn't get smallpox. And so as he did some investigation looking at that, he found out that the reason why they didn't get smallpox is because they were exposed to cowpox, which is a very closely related virus. So they would get cowpox, which causes a very mild infection, and then that would lead to them being resistant to smallpox. So he tested this, being the good scientist that he was, took um, fluid from a pox from one of the milkmaids, and in what would be considered today somewhat unethical fashion, um, gave that to a kid to protect the child from smallpox, and it worked. And so after that, people started using that method to treat for smallpox. They would take people who were infected by cowpox, pull some, of the, pull some of the fluid out of the pox that they had, and give it to somebody else, which would give them the cowpox, but then they'd be protected from smallpox. And about this same time, Louis Pasteur, who's considered the father of microbiology, and he's also another Christian scientist. He was living in France at the time. He's most well known for research that he did on rabies and anthrax, but he was also studying chicken cholera. And he, um, in a somewhat related but different way, he knew about what stuff that Jenner was doing, and he was looking at this cholera, trying to treat it. And what he discovered was that if he cultured the bacterium that causes the cholera, and left those cultures sit for several weeks to, to maybe a couple months, they would become weakened. And then if he gave people that weakened cholera, they would become resistant to full-blown cholera. So this sort of kicked off the, the beginning of, of vaccines. And so just to kind of go through and show, you know, um, well, I'll just use the pointer here. So um, smallpox, this is a child in India with smallpox. Um, it Large poxes all over um, the body. It could, like I said, it leaves really nasty scars. If you've ever seen like, you know, I, my kids think I'm old, but like my parents, my mom has a pox mark on her arm when she got a smallpox vaccine as a kid. And so does my dad. So you might, your parents or somebody might have a, a pox on their shoulder, right? <clears throat> so that was from the modern smallpox vaccine. People my age and, and younger don't have that because we eliminated smallpox from the plant. So, um, but anyway, as I said, he noticed that uh, milkmaids would get it. They would get a much milder form, but he would take fluid from that and administer it to people to kind of protect them from it. And so the idea behind vaccines is that you're using a weakened form of a disease-causing organism to give immunity to somebody against that organism. So, you know, nowadays we have tons of vaccines and, you know, like my kids are pin cushions; They've been vaccinated against everything there's a vaccine for, to protect them from a lot of these different diseases. one of the big ones that's kind of talked about a lot is measles and so this just kind of shows you that you know years ago back in the 50s and 60s measles was a huge problem once they licensed the vaccine and people started getting it measles cases dropped right off now the reason why i showed this is because in the last couple of decades you've heard a lot of people talk about you know talk against vaccines and saying one of the the arguments they'll give sometimes is well, you know, things like measles. Measles isn't a problem, and you know, we don't need to vaccinate against it because nobody gets it. Well, it's a circular argument. The reason why nobody gets it is because we have a vaccine for it, right? So that's why we don't see it. Measles, people don't realize, is one of the most infectious diseases on the planet. So <clears throat> for measles, if I had measles in this, standing in this room, I, would, I could infect up to 15 of you at a shot. Now you compare that to flu. For every infected person with flu, one other person will get infected. But with measles, it's 15. So it's incredibly infectious and it's deadly. It could be very deadly to kids. People don't realize that. That's why we developed a vaccine to it. And so, and the reason why we have vaccines against the diseases that we have is because either they're deadly, they're disfiguring or can lead to certain, you know severe complications, um, or to protect certain vulnerable populations where, like for example, um, in the MMR vaccines, measles, mumps, rubella, most individuals don't have to worry about getting rubella, which is German measles. Pregnant women do, because it's lethal to unborn children. So we give them that part, that vaccine, not so much to protect you from rubella, but it's to protect anybody around you who's pregnant, right? So anyway, now there's three different types of vaccines, generally speaking. Um, there's attenuated, which basically means it's a, it's a living organism that you're given, but it's weak. And some examples of that are like the chickenpox vaccine, um, the MMR, smallpox for, you know, because we still have stockpiles of it even though nobody gets it anymore. Um, and influenza, there's certain, um, certain versions of the influenza vaccine are attenuated vaccine. Then there's the killed vaccines. So that's things where you have an organism, you give it to somebody, but the organism's dead. It can't cause disease. And that's things like the rabies vaccine, Hep A, typhus, and certain other forms of the influenza vaccine is where it's a killed vaccine. And then there's subunit vaccines. So the subunit vaccines is where, and the reason why I bring this up is because this has to do with the COVID vaccine. So subunit vaccines is where you take a part of the organism that causes disease and you introduce that to somebody so that their body can recognize it. And so good examples of that are Hep B, um, the human papillomavirus which is one of the later vaccines that have come out recently um, to protect against like ovarian cancer or cervical cancer, those kind of things. Um, The anthrax vaccine uses uses pieces, proteins or pieces of the anthrax bacterium. And so the COVID vaccines that we have now, they can be considered subunit vaccines. Okay, so they use pieces of the COVID virus to make you immune to COVID. the, the scary, I guess, or the, the thing that people get concerned about is the fact that they use newer technologies than have been used with a lot of the other vaccines we, we know of or we get exposed to. And so that's part of the issue. So just to go over some myths. So um, I'm not going to address the more um, crazy myth. Take the pen out and throw the grenade. Dude. There, There's no microchip in the vaccine. Um, if you've seen that on the web, that, that's not it. Um, now I will say, you know, one of the myths is that the vaccine's gonna make you sick with COVID, that's false. It's not gonna give you COVID. Um, the COVID vaccine does not have anything in it, any, anything that'll allow the virus to replicate in you. Um, after getting the COVID vaccine, you'll test positive for COVID. That's also false. The, the, there are three main tests that are used for COVID. The two big ones that people use, the rapid test, which is the um, antigen test and the PCR test, which is the one they send off. Both of those detect the actual virus itself in you, and since the vaccine does not have the actual virus, you're not gonna be positive. The only other test that there is, is is a different type of antibody test where they're looking for antibodies in you to see if you've been exposed to it. That one might be positive, but they don't really use that for screening purposes. That's more of a, like a scientific, like experimental type of test. They wanna see who in the population has been exposed. Um, if you've had COVID-19 and recovered, you don't need to get the vaccine. Well, no, that's not exactly true. I mean, you are gonna be protected against COVID, but the issue is, is that vaccines are developed so that they have things in them that boost your, immunity's response, your immune system's response to it. So if you naturally get infected, you will probably be resistant to COVID for a time, but the resistance that you have is gonna be highly dependent on how, what kind of an exposure you had, how strong was it, what strain was, it, that kind of thing. Whereas the vaccine is gonna have additives in it that's gonna really make your immune system react strongly to it and create a really robust, long-lived memory to it. So even if you had COVID, it might not be a bad idea to go ahead and get vaccinated, but you know, that's you kind of have to, you know, your mileage may vary. Um, COVID-19 vaccine changes your DNA. It's completely false. Um, none of the vaccines in production alter your DNA. Um, that's just not true. And then um, the vaccine was made using aborted fetuses. Well, not exactly. And the reason why I say not exactly is, there's, there's no um, fetal tissue that's used in the vaccine or used to make it. There were certain cell lines that have been derived from aborted fetuses from 50 years ago, I guess it was that they use to test the vaccine to see how it would react inside human cells. So from that standpoint, yes, but there's no aborted fetal tissue in the vaccine. You're not going to be getting fetal tissue or anything like that um, from the vaccine. So facts about the vaccine. So right now, worldwide, there's 83 vaccines that are currently in development. Okay, In the United States, we have three of them. So the Pfizer vaccine, the Moderna vaccine, and then the one from Janssen, which is also referred to as Johnson & Johnson. Okay, <clears throat> there's two technologies that are cutting edge, which you know, as a microbiologist and a scientist, I think is really cool. Um, one is mRNA vaccines, and the other is using a viral vector. And so the mRNA vaccines, um, that would be the Pfizer and the Moderna, and basically what they're doing is they're using a piece of nucleic acid for a gene in the virus And they're delivering it to you, and your body makes that protein and then reacts to it. So it's actually kind of cool. The reason why it's such a cool thing is that that technology is what's allowed us to produce a vaccine so fast. Because we don't have to grow up virus or anything like that. All we have to do is know that sequence, and we can synthesize it to just make it. So it took them, I think, a month and a half to two months to start cranking out vaccines. So uh, from a from a public health standpoint, it's actually really cool. The viral vector, basically, they use um, they use a viral a virus that's basically like a cold virus that's been stripped of all of its ability to replicate on its own, and they put in the gene, like a gene for a particular protein from COVID in it. And so it express it has that on its surface, and they give it to you, and your body reacts to it. So it's sort of like a fake virus, I guess is the way to put it. Um, the COVID vaccines from the data that we have right now, don't um, prevent infection. So even if you're, if you're vaccinated, you could still become infected with COVID, but your symptoms are gonna be much milder if existent at all, because your body reacts so quickly to the virus once you get exposed. Um, it does, it's still unknown whether it prevents contagion. What I mean by that is, so now I'm, I got my second dose on Friday, so I'm considered fully vaccinated. And in two weeks, I'll be really considered fully vaccinated. If I get exposed to COVID, there might be some COVID that replicates in me, not enough to cause disease. And it's unclear yet whether it would rise to a level that I would be able to shed it to give to somebody else. We just don't know yet. But from other vaccines and stuff, my opinion would be that the odds are very low just because that tends to happen with other vaccines and you have to be exposed to a certain amount of virus in order to actually get it, okay? Um, There are side effects to the vaccine, but there's side effects to all vaccines. So my first shot with COVID, it felt like a tetanus shot. If anybody remember your tetanus shots, makes your arm really, really sore. Yeah, so that's kind of what it felt like. And most of that's just because of the volume of stuff they're putting in your arm, it creates pressure because it's it's a fair bit of liquid that goes in your arm, but that dissipates. And then um, after that, my second shot yesterday, um, I had, you know, I was kind of tired. So I'll just kind of, you know, or if my wife said it's normal Saturday and I was napping. So, um, but the listed side effects would be, you know, you can have pain at the injection site, which is not severe. Tiredness, headache, nausea, muscle pain, fever, chills. The important thing to note is that these are the same side effects that you get with a flu vaccine and many other vaccines. So it's not like it's something scary or new. A lot of these side effects we see anyway. There have been some adverse reactions. Those are extremely rare. So I think right now it's about 0.001% of people who have experienced an adverse reaction that's on par with other vaccines. And the thing I want to say here to note, and this is one of the reasons why I was glad to have this opportunity is to say, a lot of people on the internet stuff get, get wound up about vaccines or things and talk about, well, it could cause this, it could cause that. Okay, well, in some cases they're right. In some cases they're wrong. Some things it just can't cause, there's other things it can. One of the issues that people need to realize is that there is nothing that doesn't carry risk. So eating carries a risk of dying, drinking carries a risk of dying. Life has a hundred percent mortality rate. I mean, so you 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 cannot eliminate all risk. And so it's a cost-benefit. Okay? What's the risk of getting severely ill and dying, or giving it to somebody else and them becoming seriously ill and dying? versus the risk of having a side effect, okay? And that's something that everybody has to kind of weigh. So, my advice. Overall, and this includes COVID, vaccines are vastly safer than the diseases they treat. If you can get a vaccine for a disease, especially one that does have a mortality rate associated with it, I would say get it. Because it's going to be much safer to have the vaccine than to take your chances being exposed to the actual pathogen. As I just said, all activities carry risk. So every individual has to do their own little cost-benefit analysis. So I'm not up here to I'm not up here to say everybody should be made to get vaccines. No, it should be up to the individual whether or not you want to get them. I mean, that's my libertarian side coming out. So it's up to you. But my advice, as somebody who studies infectious diseases, is: yes, I would encourage you to get it. Um, some people argue that well, because there was you know, field-derived tissue or things remotely (coughs) involved with the development of the vaccine that we shouldn't get it. And most of the reasoning from that comes from Romans 3.8, which is, let us not do evil so that good may come, which is where Paul's um, talking about um, grace and sin. And, you know, well, if if sin enhances grace, then I should sin more, because that will make God's grace greater. And Paul's like, no, that logic doesn't work. Well, people have used that verse to kind of extrapolate to here, and the thing is that it's really a misapplication of the verse because we're not condoning sin by using a technology or a vaccine that was, that was created in some tangential use of something that was derived from abortion. You're not guilty for the abortion because you, because you got a vaccine where scientists use a cell line that was derived from a fetus. Okay. Um, also, the kind of counter-argument to that is that we have responsibilities not just to look after our own health, but to look after the health of other people. And that comes from Matthew 22:39, where Jesus said, and is also in the Old Testament, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. So if you don't want to get sick with something, you shouldn't then you shouldn't just think of yourself. You should think about others as well, and how will your actions affect their potential um, risk of getting sick. But as I, and as I said already, we all have to kind of settle this question, though, in our own minds. So everybody has to make up your own mind. And that, I put down First Corinthians 8, 8 to 13, and Philippians two, twelve. where basically these passages are basically where Paul's arguing about other things, but it applies. That, you know, if you don't want any stuff offered to idols, don't. If you don't care because idols are meaningless things, then go ahead. But you have to settle that in your mind between you and God, and it's just the same thing with here. If you, don't want to take this, if you don't want to take a COVID vaccine because people use cell lines to test it, okay, that's between you and God. And then that's something that as a question we all have to answer individually and be settled in our
0: own self. Just for clarity, a person who gets the vaccine doesn't cause the researchers to go, we need to continue aborting babies so we can have it," because that line was the seven. Correct. Correct, that's exactly right. So,
1: the point with that is these cell lines that have been made, they're perpetual. So, new babies aren't being aborted to make cell lines for scientists to use. Um, They've been around since the 70s, 60s, whatever. So, is one drug better than the other in your mind? So, right now. Well, if you have a choice, I would say get the Pfizer. Um, for a couple reasons. Number one, it has the highest um, effective rate um, prevention rate. I think it's at 95%. Moderna's at 94%, but the reason why like Pfizer over Moderna is because Moderna seems to have stronger side effects, I guess I'll say, um, than Pfizer. And then the Johnson & Johnson, it's nice because it's only one shot, but its effective rate's about 75%. So... If I had a choice, I'd get Pfizer. It just so happens that I got Pfizer, so I was happy, but my sister got Moderna. She's fine now, but she she was she was tired for a couple days, so.
0: is
1: it the Pfizer the one that they put on hold in Europe? No, the one they put on hold in Europe was the one from AstraZeneca, and that's because there was some, and I'm not 100% sure, because I, I kind of ignored that one since nobody's—it's on hold. But I, from what I recall, there was some question as to some of the results and stuff they got, um, and there was some—there was a couple adverse events that happened that just happened to make news, and so they kind of said, "Okay, let's just stop with that one for now," since they have 83 of them. They're like, <coughs> you know, they "We have plenty." We
0: hmm? so
1: we Ast- Astrazeneca is not being used in the United States, no.
0: What, for time's sake, hmm? so we can get things done. What, are you willing to stay around a couple minutes after Hang class? On. And if you have a question, that way you can ask him personally, and that way you can get anything you need done. I appreciate that. Hey, you're Hey, give him a hand. This is great.